Well, hello and welcome back to the Youthscape podcast, which, as you know, if you've been journeying with us, is still this kind of split screen kind of idea. So there's me up in Preston. My name is Rachel Gardner. And bringing the weight and the meat and the beast and the fierceness is Martin Saunders from... I'm from Rygate in Surrey. <laughs> I just had to give you the word <laughs> Rygate to say. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, where I'm sorry. from. I can't yeah. help it. And I don't, I, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to let you say your name, but by the time I'd named you, it's like, what's left? Just. You know, with Americans, with Americans, I say I'm from London. I make, a, I make it sound like I'm from some sort of cool, <laughs> hard hitting, edgy, urban place. But no, I live and near then, a place. I actually live near a place called Dorking, which my American Dorking. friends think is hilarious. Oh. I think actually Britain, we have so many names that are hilarious, aren't they? I think one day we should do a podcast about silly names involving the word bottom or bum. But anyway, now listen, lovely, wonderful youth ministry community. Last week, we sort of said, give us your feedback. We've been doing this twice a week. Um, Is this helping? Is this not? Shall we move to once a week? And I don't know how we want to take this, Martin, but we heard very loudly and very clearly, yeah, just once a week. Once a week is fine. Once a week is fine. So we've heard you, beautiful people, and we are responding. But it yeah. might mean you get more of us in this podcast. <laughs> We're used to doing two. We're used to doing double the amount. But we do listen to you, Gemma Dunning, who says to us, rightly so, under an hour. Come on, yes. under an hour. Yes. Who's got time for more? So we do agree. So we will keep this reined in. But, but actually, both of us, being the one podcast, I think we're both in our minds. We want to talk about some big stuff, Martin, don't we? Is that yeah, right? Absolutely. You want to chat about There's some no big things? There's no point waffling on about, well, I don't know, what, do what Netflix series we're watching. Oh, what drink you're going to oh, have gosh. when you first go to the park? Can I just what? say, can I just do a public public announcement, safety announcement thing? I made a mistake. I, I watched I watched a Netflix, an episode of a Netflix series called White Lines. Is that, are you aware of that? I am slightly aware of it. Oh, my life. It was it's the first any. thing in a long time that uh, Mrs. Saunders and I have actually switched off because of the Ooh. gratuity of the content. It was... Full on, uh, it's basically pornographic, and oh, so, no. so just in case you were thinking, oh, that's number one in the UK. Why don't I give that a try? Don't don't do yes. that. Try something else. <laughs> try something else. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Saunders, for going there for us that's and it. giving us that public announcement. I'm not so, a prude. I'm not a prude. It's just really no. rude. So, so does it feel like a watershed moment? Like actually, there are new parameters that I mean, surely every taboo has been covered. Yeah. Is it, what is it about it that, that is gratuitous? Is it? Well, one of the was <laughs> well, basically. So, in fact, we are we are <laughs> going to talk about a Netflix series. <laughs> the, the very thing we just promised we wouldn't do. No, there's there's some there's an, a character in it who organises essentially uh, orgies, and that's I see. so it's set on Ibiza. And there's someone oh, who organises that. And then it, it is not in any way left to the imagination. And okay. I was just like, ah, this is, no, this is no. not helpful no. in any way. No, so, it sends uh, us to a dark so place. Off it went. 
Good. Fantastic. Well done. Well Thanks. done. And apologies if actually this conversation's not helped anyone else think I don't want to watch it. <laughs> anyway, well, let's talk about some other stuff because we've got a wonderful guest later, a dear friend called Pete Baker, and yeah. he has a great conversation with you, Master, about some cool stuff. But we thought we'd kind of step back a little bit, pull back, yeah. and just chat about youth culture. Yes. Uh, we've talked we've talked about young people, we've talked about school, we've talked about like care packages, we've talked about youth ministry online. But but let's talk about this moment. Yeah. Like what 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 are we seeing? What is happening in the emerging generations that we're gonna be re- you know, responding to for years to come as a church? Do you yeah. want to kick us off? Because I think I think you've got some great thoughts here. Uh, I don't know if I've got great come thoughts. Come on, brother I Martin. Have, I'm my <laughs> brother Martin. We'll begin with a P. Three I, three ideas begin with a P. I uh hey, I I might not have some great thoughts. I I have seen some some people saying this is an amazing moment. This is an exciting moment for the church. Uh, I think there's lots of people who feel excited and liberated by the church getting out of buildings. There's also a significant number of people, our dear brothers and sisters, who feel like the building is really, really important, and this is a really this is a moment to grieve the fact we can't be in our buildings. And I have some sympathy with both, as yeah. I know you do too. Um, but uh, I'm not sure I, I want to kind of buy the narrative entirely that this is, this is a great moment to get excited that, that God is doing something amazing through this time. First of all, it's really important to say, I don't think God caused this. My, under, my theology of mm. God being in control or otherwise and free will uh, does not have God as the, as the cause of COVID-19. Um, mm. Of course, he works through... The, all things for the good of those who love him. But, uh, but I'm not sure God has made this happen. And therefore to suggest that God is doing amazing new things through this and in this time, I, I don't know. I think that's a bit of a, I think it's a bit of a leap. Um, but, but, but my bigger concern would be around making any assumptions about what's happening with young people and discipleship mm-hmm. in this time. So I think my experience of online youth work right now uh, because most youth work has to happen online, is that we are doing okay at uh, building community, staying connected. That would be true of my youth ministry. That would be true mm. of, of yours, I think. Mm. And I think it's true of most youth workers that I talk to. I'm yet to speak to too many youth workers who uh, think they are really seeing deep discipleship going on in this time. I do know of one or two. Um, there are a couple of youth workers who've said, actually, we've got a smaller group of young people engaging, but they're going deeper. So, mm-hmm. so I think for some young people where good discipleship relationships already existed, mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about this idea of primary affiliation, uh, where youth work, where young people feel like the, the group they're part of is the most important affiliation for them to maintain. Mm-hmm. In some, in some situations, I think we are seeing, uh, youth workers do some amazing stuff where young people are being discipled. That's great. But I think on the whole, uh, you know, we are probably seeing a lot of young people fall through the cracks, a lot of young people spectating even more than they did before in our youth work. So just what literally watching us on zoom or YouTube or reading messages that we're sending. Um, and I, I'm yet to, I'm yet to see a real, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not seeing great rumours of um, of hope in terms of young people finding new depths of discipleship and closeness to Jesus in this time. Now, if that is true 
in your context. We would love to hear from you, of course. Yes. Email us, tweet us, etc., etc. But I'm saying, largely speaking, I'm I'm not sure I see that happening, and therefore I don't think there's a great cause for celebration yet. Then when you look at yeah, I'll let you speak in a minute, Rachel. This is unusual. I don't think I've ever spoken for this long, unbroken on the I'm podcast. Um, I'm still writing up my notes about the white line. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, but um, but I think if you look at what young people are doing with the relaxation of of uh, some of the lockdown rules. Um, yeah young people are definitely taking the opportunity to meet up with each other. Of course they are, but they've been doing that for a while. Like I think, you know, we talked in the early weeks about how we weren't seeing um, too many young people break those rules, but actually almost from the moment we said that we started to notice, you know, lots of young people and and Mm. certainly lots of the young people that I know have been, have been congregating and, and, and meeting Mm. and not keeping any sort of social distance going on. Um, And I think they are, you know, they are finding their own way to navigate this time, which is, of course, not going to be to entirely follow the rules set by adults. And I'm just not certain at the moment that we found ways to truly engage them in this new, in this new world in mm-hmm. terms of deepening their, their Christian faith and making that central to their lives. Um, but I might be wrong. I'm just, I feel like I've gone on a, a bit of a rant there, but I, I'm a little bit, I'm a bit, a little bit nervous that there's a, there's a, a danger that we could have a quite a triumphant narrative based mm. on a tiny sliver of tear fund research, mm-hmm. um, you know, and a couple of other little anecdotal things. I think, you know, we could start celebrating at the very moment when, gosh, we need to innovate and fast. Otherwise we're heading yes. for a big problem. I have to say, I do agree with your um, concern around this self-congratulatory kind of narrative. There are some interesting stats, 25% of people are accessing church online they could very well be the same three percent they're turning up everywhere um i totally agree that it's way too early to kind of predict anything but i but i i'm interested at the moment hearing people talk about really really you know what what happened in a long time ago when the church was faced with huge crisis so i'm hearing people talk about the seventh century and you know early church mothers and fathers who did incredible things around cultural renewal who who did what you're talking about that kind of thick description of what actually is actually happening not what not what do we think is happening in our bubble like not in our little kind of world of zoom on church on, on the sunday morning and but 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 we pulled back from what is actually happening in culture and then what's the renewal that that jesus is wanting us to get involved with and i think I, I would agree with you that I'm very hesitant about saying God is saying this or God is doing that. I think God is always doing what he's always done and always yep. saying what he's always said. That's no different. But I do wonder um, if this is a watershed moment. Lovely Phyllis Tickle, who died, I think, about 10 years ago, she talked about the great emergence, didn't she? And I, and I do think she was right. And I do think this is now part of that. What's going to emerge out of this is really significant. But my question to you, I guess, is... Um, how how do we do that? How do we emerge from this as a youth ministry tribe who want to call the church to mission? Um, how do we do that without sounding like we're saying? Well, I mean, I don't know actually. How do we how do we do that? how do we call the church to mission among young people out of this crisis? What what is it that we can do that will really see 
this kind of change you want to see happening. Like, what what is mm. our role? Do you have any idea about that? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I I think um, I think probably this is a time to be doing uh, a lot of thinking and a bit of scenario planning without wanting to cast mm. us as. Um, uh, as sort of like government strategists or something. Mm. Um, I think we should be um, planning for about three different possible scenarios in the months ahead. And it might actually be worth everybody getting a piece of paper out and, um, yeah. uh, you know, trying to, to think about what the best case, the worst case and the sort of medium case scenario mm. might be uh, for the young people and the communities that we work with and our work over the next 12, 18 months. The best case, obviously, is miracle cure, you know, or... Um, everyone vaccinated. Uh, everyone yeah. vaccinated or, yeah. you know, or the thing just goes away in a sort of bizarre Hollywood way. Um, and uh, and we're suddenly somehow back to normal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's kind of the best case scenario. And then there's some questions to ask about what lessons are we going to learn from this? Because everybody's temptation, everyone's desire will be to gravitate back to how things used to be. Everyone will be desperate to, uh, like, can we just somehow get back to how the, th- the way things were? Can we somehow make it? I think the government strategy to some extent has been to try and bridge the gap between yes. then and, and the future so that we can somehow remain uh, the same. Yeah. The yeah. same. So I think that's so. So in that world, we we might need to be a prophetic voice to say, "Look, remember, don't forget what we learned. Don't forget how things changed. Don't forget how we felt. Don't forget, um, you know, what we realised didn't work um, in that time." There's a worst case scenario, which I don't even want to talk about, uh, mm-hmm. which is you know things just going on like this for a long, long time, and uh, eventually, presumably, people just say, "Can you just do one podcast a month?" please because it's just too depressing uh and in that scenario then you know we we will have to completely reimagine our work because online Mm. online youth work in the form that we've figured it out at the moment is Mm. not is not going to cut it it's not like young people are already exhausted from meeting online and there's only a certain depth of connection you can reach through a screen yes yeah um and then there's a middle case scenario that we should be thinking about, which is probably our sort of most likely version, which is the world is going to be different. Mm. We will take some time to emerge from this. I think that's what most churches are planning for at the moment. Um, yes. The idea that we may not have our buildings reopened yeah. fully this year. And, yeah. that, uh, and that as a result of this, um, you know, think things are going to always... That we're never we're never quite going to return to what we no. what we knew as normal before, and in that scenario, that's in, in some ways that's the most difficult one to plan for, isn't it? Um, yes. And you have to do both those things. So you need to say, hey, some things have got back to normal. Let's uh, let's um, let's remember what happened mm. in that year and what we learned. And then there's going to be a load of innovation to do. Mm. Um, and and I think every every youth leader, everybody involved in working with any people um, is going to have to go through some sort of innovation process to figure out like how on earth the world's going to, how on earth our work looks in the future. Yes. 
Somebody was saying to me yesterday um, that, like, at the end of the world wars, the question asked of everybody was, "Where were you during the war? Like, what were you doing?" And I, and I, and I think we're not going to easily come out of lockdown enough to be able to say, "Where were you during COVID nineteen? Because I think we're going to have it with us for a long, long time. But I think we'll all know what we mean. We'll all mean these fifteen weeks, or however long it will be in the end, of when, mm. when it was really when we were all reeling. And I think. And I'm I'm wondering what relevance the wider society will see the church as having. I'm wondering where people think God is and where young people think God is and where young people think the church has been. I'm just really interested to know whether you know, you know what what the questions will be. So I guess there will be churches that have had to close buildings and do absolutely nothing and furlough all their staff. And that, that's not a judgment at all on any no. of those churches. But there will be communities that will say, well, where were the church? Was this? Well, the church was nowhere. They did nothing. Yeah. And there'll be other communities where the church has worked with other churches and got the food banks going and, you know, and, and, and maybe that'll be a different. So I'm just wondering what would be the story about youth ministry? Like what, you know, for, I think one of the saddest things for many people who were furloughed at the beginning where they were saying, I, at the very time where I want to be here with young people in the community. I've been told I can do nothing of this. Um, and they were desperately sad, not just for that moment, but also knowing that in the future, what story do they tell? I think, mm. I think this, is, this, this is why it is unprecedented, Martin, because we look back at stories of like the Christians in Alexandria, like 200 years after the, the fall of Rome, where there was plague and the Christians stay put yeah. and everybody else left. Like these amazing stories that look so easy, but like we're in a similar situation, but what there's, I don't know, like what, what would be the obvious thing that comes out of this time that says actually the church, the presence of the church made significant difference. Like, and I think that's, I'm interested to do that sort of thick description around youth ministry. What, mm. what difference has a youth ministry made to this country? Um, or maybe, or maybe now is the time that we're beginning to have to do that. Maybe now is the moment and I really feel that now is the moment where youth ministry can begin to rise and make quite a difference yeah. as the emerging need of young people is revealed, as people can go out more, young people can go out, as potentially hundreds and thousands and millions of young people have nothing to do for the next 10 weeks. Like, yeah. it is an interesting question. So I realise, so I realise all the listeners, me and Martha just sat here like absolutely waffling off the top of our heads. But this, I think this matters, Martha. I think yeah. this kind of thinking really, really matters. Yeah, yeah it does. Keep a long horizon and a perspective, like what is going on? Yeah. Hmm. And, and <laughs> to be more positive and to talk about, to <laughs> well, talk it is, about. It is positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have spoken to a few youth leaders who've said, um, that the most encouraging thing for them during lockdown is uh, the connection they've had with parents who have said, if it wasn't for you, my young person would feel completely all at sea. Like n just, there's no, they're, they're not able to connect with um, their peers for various reasons. Like they're struggling with digital communication. Um, they're struggling with the fact that they, you know, I talked about the, the boys in my youth group just find they've got nothing to talk about at the moment. And so they don't more and more young people are finding it hard to talk to their families, um, you know, and talk to the people that they live with because my goodness, the best will of the world. No one wants to be cooped up with anyone for, um, for this period of time. 
Um, and so youth leaders become this unbelievably important outlet mm. and lifeline. And, and there's discipleship in that. But also, I think probably our primary role in the last 10 weeks has just been to make sure people, young people's mental and emotional yes. well-being, uh, you know, is okay. Yes. And still that carries on, yeah. And I, and I think that is something that parents will remember youth leaders for. I think, mm. I think that is something immediately that, 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 and I think we've got to keep that up. That is absolutely, you know, as much as I said, oh, we're, maybe we're not doing enough around discipleship. It's amazing what we've all mm. been doing to keep young people going. Mm. And, you know, we've talked before about the mental health time bomb mm. that, that, that could be sitting under all of this. And I think that will be massively impacted for the better yes. um, by, by the, the hard work of, of youth yes. leaders staying in touch. So there's, there's definitely ways in which we can already say yes. we will be remembered for making a difference in this yes. time. And I think when you and I say about discipleship, it's because we're both youth workers who are going about our own context. It's not, yep. you know, this is, yep. we're, we're in this, we're not passing any judgment on the community. I, I think you're right. And I also think the other thing that will be really powerful to come out of this is the faithfulness of the youth ministry community. Because I think um, what I've seen, and again, we only catch this on social media because we can't spend time with each other as a community, but I've seen the wrestle that youth work volunteers and youth work leaders have been through, the faithfulness they've demonstrated to young people, the amount of time they've prayed for young people, and they've, they've, they've done that Zoom call when it was only one young person, but they prepped for it and they delivered it. And I think a shining beacon will be the faithfulness of these leaders. I think you're absolutely yeah. right, um, and that will be that will be acknowledged. I was... Um, I, 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 so this is me oversharing. I completely forgot to join the, the youth Zoom on Tuesday evening. And I had all the young people that was like, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> How I forgot it. It's a regular thing. But I'd, I'd filmed the little kind of 10 minute Bible study bit that we were then going to watch together and going to breakout groups about. And I found that one so ridiculously difficult because I'm finding at the moment, probably like lots of us, that you're creating content for a bunch of young people who are just at home or online. And, it, and it's how do you share scripture? How do you help them stay close to Jesus and have a radical extreme courage for their faith when you know that their, their world is as small as yours is? Yeah. And, and it, so I think at the moment, I think there is that kind of heaviness. Like we actually want to, un, we want to see young people unleashed and get out, don't we? Because that's a lot of our teaching and resourcing of them and equipping of them is on the go. It's on the go stuff. So I think, yeah. Anyway, so friends, um, please don't hear us saying anything critical about what's happening. It's more just that wrestle of, you know, as we emerge from this, what, what are we, what is God going to be calling us to get involved with? What do we need to, what do we need to pay attention to? And what do we need to share of what we've seen? And I, and I guess that's another question to you, Martin is, my deep desire is that church leaders ask their young people and ask youth workers, what was it like? What, what went on? What happened? What do you see? What is it like? Mm. What are you noticing? Because I think there's an experience of the church community on a Sunday morning, all getting involved in Zoom, getting excited about that. But there's a different experience that's happening among the, the emerging generations, the yes. under 18s, that I yes. think are very, very different. Yeah. And I really hope that church leaders listen to that experience as well. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and I guess by putting, you know, diving into YouTube 
and streaming online church as many churches have have, have done adults have sort of muscled into a space that teenagers have have kind of had as their own you know there's been research that we've quoted over the last few years about how much time young people spend on youtube i think we've said before like you and i neither has had a favorite youtuber before (laughs) this year you know and um and we've sort of muscled in on their space and we know that yeah, if there's one thing young people don't like, it's old people muscling in on their space, which is why young people are leaving Instagram. And yes. uh, you know, yes. and, and, and I'm come, for, I've come back. <laughs> you're you're back on Instagram, so that's taken the age limit, the age, the average age right up. Right up. <laughs> um, but uh, but but yeah, I think there is this. I imagine most young people look at our uh, flailing attempts to do YouTube well and just think you you completely. Yes. You've done exactly what you always do. This is what you do with, this is what you did with, you know, all the other social media accounts that we left. You know, you come in and you make it boring and adult. Boring and static. Yeah. We, um, we, had, um, we had a church quiz night a couple of Fridays ago. So the whole church got involved and my friend Joel did the quiz. And we had a youth team. So the young people like all connected in, but then yeah. breakout groups. <laughs> anyway, so Joel totally spun it in the young, in the youth group's direction because the first, the first session, the first block of questions, all about influential YouTubers. <laughs> so the young people were like, then a hundred points first and no one else keep up with us. It was so funny. The rest of the church like, um, can we have like capitals of European cities, please? It was <laughs> really funny. So yeah, no, I think you're right. I do think you're right. And um. And I and I'm such a, I'm such an extrovert and I, I like being with people. So my mode of operating is let's get everybody in one space and let's talk about it and let's listen. And I know that that probably that probably won't happen, but I am interested to see the platforms that emerge from this. When mm. as we begin to think, what does the church, the future, genuinely look like? How Absolutely. do we make sure that the leaders that are released in this time continue to be released? And I guess we what we've seen here in Preston is a youth ministry that's online, very much like everybody else's same numbers each week, maybe one or two less, one or two more, nothing really changing, sort of solid, yeah, good, really, really, really good. But with missional, no, that not really know that one. But what we're seeing is with the, with the work of the food packages and the food parcels, we're definitely reaching the other end, like young people at the other end of who we'd normally work with. And I, and I don't know how moving forward, we're going to hold those two intention mm. as well. How do we continue create strategies for both so that's that is interesting it is going to be interesting anyway. believe it or not rachel this this was yeah. the intro to the um, oh yeah okay the Sorry. interview so you may <laughs> feel you may feel like you've already had an entire podcast but remember yeah, you only wanted one a week so you we wanted one we've given so we, you one we've given you one and yeah, was uh wasn't it? it was a little um <laughs> but uh anyway we are going to move on to our guest now and so, uh, so he is a great friend of ours and of this podcast, um, and we love him. And uh, so Pete Baker, mm, um, who has been serving with uh, Pace Project for 20 years this year, would you believe? Oh, yeah, it's a big, big year, isn't it? Big year for him. Um, he, uh, I caught up with him to talk about what implications uh, this current situation might have on some pretty big things like uh, the world of gap years, which she's involved in, and also schools ministry that pays have served so faithfully in over the last couple of decades. So um, yeah, this is what happened when we caught up. Well, uh, very excited that my guest today is our wonderful friend, Pete Baker, in, uh, on a farm in Burnley, I believe, today. 
That's that's right. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful Burnley. Yeah, beautiful Burnley. That's always the you always hear those two <laughs> words together, don't you? Especially especially when their football team are playing. Um, but uh, <laughs> but no. But Pete uh, is a, a great friend of uh, the podcast, and uh, and and of course has been on before. But um, but it's great to talk to you in these slightly strange times. Uh, Pete, obviously you lead the uh, Pays uh, project, uh, which is based up in Manchester. Or Burnley? Well, yeah, so Burnley now. So, yeah, thanks again for having me, Martin. It's great to be back on. Um, yeah, Pace started in Manchester in 1992. But, yeah, we moved the uh, the national base to Burnley in 2009. So I'm from North Manchester. Uh, when I joined Pace 20 years ago, which I can't believe, I did my gap year 20 years ago, and I'm still I'm still on it. Um I was placed in Burnley, um, so I, I spent three years on the ground in Burnley doing youth and schools work, and then moved to Manchester to join the national team, and then brought the national base to Burnley in 2009. So we work all over the UK, we now work in 16 countries globally, so the, the global base, I kind of love this, the global base is Texas, and in other countries, you know, the national base is Accra, Ghana, uh, or Vancouver, Canada, uh, and then it's Burnley, Lancashire. <laughs> Is the national base for the UK, but I do I love that. So, and and you can we just get this out of the way uh, quickly? This won't interest anyone else. But you're not a Burnley supporter, are you? No. So my dad's a Scouser, so I'm a Liverpool fan. Um, Oh, that's worked out well for you. (laughs) Um, So yeah, growing up in Manchester, but very much so a Liverpool fan, uh, which was sometimes tough. Burnley's definitely my second team. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I do enjoy going on the turf, as they say. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the turf. No, I, funnily enough, no. But I, I think there's a, I'm sure we talked about this before, but there's a little in-joke, which uh, is Dan Randall, uh, your friend yes. and mine, who who was yeah. uh, worked with you, didn't he, for, for many years yes. at, at Pays. But he um, sent me a mug. Yeah. Uh, because he's he was a big fan of the podcast, he sent me a mug that he'd had made. This is the length yes. this man will go to for a for a practical joke, and it had my name on it, and it was a claret and blue uh, mug, yeah. uh, which because yeah. I'm a West Ham United supporter, and of course it was in fact a Burnley football club. So I, it is my mug at work. I, I've I've grown to <laughs> I've grown to love it. Um, a little great. bit like you know in the mission where uh, Robert De Niro carries around all those uh, <laughs> things on his back as a reminder yes. of his of his brokenness and his sin. <laughs> I yeah. I use the Burnley Football Club mug that Dan Randall bought me as a reminder of mine. That's great. That's I don't. Great. I feel like we're using up too much time on this, Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but Pete, how, first of all, how are you doing? How are you how are you finding this time? You know, what have been some of the challenges, and and uh, what have you learned over the last couple of months? Yeah. Um, so de- definitely, yeah, be- being at home with the family is great. And as you said, we live on a farm, which is ama- like a real privilege and blessing. Um, yeah, I think the overwhelming nature of this season. Um, you know, and it even, I think at first it was about crisis management, uh, especially with all of our gap year people. We have a lot of international people. Uh, we have about 50 people on pays this academic year in the UK. And very quickly as this was developing, it was people being recalled to their home country or people wanting to get home, people maybe living with vulnerable people, uh, you know, in the vulnerable category. Mm-hmm. So like, do, I need to, do I need to leave the country? Um, is this the end of pays? You know, all, all these all these kind of things. So the first few weeks was a lot of chaos, a lot of drama, uh, a, lot, a lot of challenges. 
Uh, and then it really became about how do we consolidate? How do we keep on going this year? How do we keep on serving young people remotely? How do we keep on serving schools without being in them? How do we keep on serving our churches, uh, even if we're not physically present? And, and teams working together. You might have one team member in England, one team member in Germany, one team member in Brazil, but they're still trying to work together. So, yeah, that was... Uh, that was crazy for a few weeks. And me and my wife also have a, a local church leadership role. So similar kind of things there of um, how, how do we exist as a church online, remotely? How do you pastor vulnerable people who maybe aren't on the internet? So all, yeah, all these challenges, getting into some kind of rhythm. Um, and then I guess part of your brain is saying, I hope we go back to normal soon. And part of your brain is saying, well, this creates a whole raft of opportunities that weren't there before. How do we make the most of that? And then part of you just coping, you know, mm-hmm. with, the over, with the endless, you know, overwhelming demands. Uh, so no, in all of that, we're doing okay. <laughs> um, and, and you just mentioned uh, gap years there. Yes. And I, I guess that's a big question. Uh, there's a big question for um, everybody who's uh, either running a gap year in uh, 2020 to 2021 or all those young people that were expecting to head off on a gap year or might still be thinking about that. Um, there's a whole bunch of of uncertainty there, isn't there? So uh, yeah. I know you and other gap year providers have been talking a little bit, but what is that? What are you? What are you thinking? What does it? What does it all mean? Yeah, great question. Yeah, well, I think for a while now, there's been a few of us seeking to collaborate more. Uh, people from Youth for Christ, the Message, Scripture Union, Urban Saints, uh, Swim, different organisations like that, where we we know we have uh, a shared passion, a uh, shared sense of calling, and and really similar organisations and a resource to the church, uh, wanting to equip young people or young adults. Uh, to live on mission. So increasingly, we've been wanting to collaborate to create more of a culture of serving, volunteering, stepping up, uh, living on mission uh, as a young adult. And then as this season kind of hit, uh, that I guess that accelerated our conversation to say, well, how is everyone doing? What impact has this had on your current uh, gap year? And what's it looking like for next academic year? So it's, it's, a, it's a great question. For us as an organisation, our numbers are still pretty good. Like we've still got... Um, a good number of people that want to uh, join pays. Uh, obviously, there could be impacts for international people wanting to come to the UK uh, in September. Uh, there's a big question mark about what can we do in schools. A lot of our mission as pays is to schools, is to serve schools. Uh, what, you know, one of our trustees uh, is a is a head teacher of a high school locally. And that's a big question we're asking uh, with her. How can we best serve schools? How can we best be a resource? If we can't be physically present in a school when schools go back, how can we still be a resource to schools around spirituality, faith? You know, we know, don't we, all these questions are being asked. More and more people are looking for prayer on Google, are looking for church online. So if people are looking for God, looking for hope, looking for meaning, but we can't physically get to them, yeah, how can we be more of a resource to those schools? To those, We do know there'll be some schools that um, will be desperate for help um, soon and into the next academic year that might, if there's trusted churches or trusted organisations that they know, okay, these people, we, we trust them, we'll allow them to come in in a safe way um, to, to, to work with our young people. Then there's some people I know that already are, 
are actively serving schools in their community because they've built a trusted relationship um, where there's be, there'll be other schools where we know they won't be allowing businesses in for, for, for a while. So that's going to be a huge challenge for, for any ministry that's based on schools ministry. How do we best serve those local schools? Yeah, and for the gap years, um, there's, there's definitely a challenge, but we also recognise there could be an opportunity where plans might have changed for certain young adults who had a certain plan that might now be thinking, well, the plan I had has changed. Maybe a gap year, maybe a year of serving. We know across the UK there's been this increased desire to step up, to serve, you know, the whole Good Samaritan campaign with the NHS, a desire to serve, a desire to get involved, a desire to make a difference. So before this all happened, that was something we wanted to tap into, different Christian gap years to say, how do we create a culture of serving, of living on mission? And, we, you know, we've, we begin to develop this tagline of made on mission. Yeah, so I love people, that. That's such a great yeah, phrase. There's so many people I meet who are now doing something really significant for the kingdom of God, but it began on a gap year. Not always necessarily pays, you know, maybe it was a year with Swim or a year with You for Christ or a year at the Message Academy. And that year, or those two years, formed something in them, a passion for mission, a passion for young people, a passion for local church. Or maybe some character stuff. Maybe on those couple of years, they had lots of passion, but it was the gap year experience that really molded and shaped their character, uh, you know, the inner person that led years later to them being who they are today. So, yeah, that I guess that phrase made on mission or that, that culture, we'd love to create that in the UK more and more. Yeah, and there is, um, there's something you can't replicate in a gap year where you're, you, you, because as a youth leader, even if you're really intentionally focusing on discipling some young people, we probably all, all of us have got in our youth groups there, the smaller group that we are, you know, thinking, okay, th- this, this young person is really serious for God. Uh, and so we're going to, um, uh, we're going to invest a bit more time in that. But even there, you just can't even begin to do, you know, you're only getting just a few hours of their week, even even if you're doing quite a lot of intentional, intense work. Whereas in a gap year, you, you're actually having someone in, intentionally investing in you for hours every single day and giving you opportunities to put that into practice. I'm quite passionate about this, as you can see at the moment, because... Yeah, great. I, I've, we've uh, you know, just last night, actually, at our youth group, uh, which is at the moment online, we had a young person who is actually on a gap year, would you believe, right now in Norway... Wow. Uh, so she's out there and she's doing a, um, she's doing a, she, what it's turned into a lot of digital evangelism mission. So she's great. She's, she's shooting this girl who, you know, six months ago, nine months ago in our, in our youth work was, it was not really confident to speak in public it has now been so invested in that she's doing, uh, <laughs> she's doing international online mission from a studio in Norway. As I say it out wow. loud, it seems bizarre. <laughs> it can only be God. And, um, and seeing how much she has grown and developed, she spoke just with extraordinary depth. And, you know, what came through when she spoke was that she clearly understands and lives the stuff that she's talking about. And I was blown away by how, uh, how much that, how much change has happened in quite a relatively short space of time. Exactly. That, that's why a few years ago we changed it. We, we, we started to call it an apprenticeship. We, start, we wanted to say, okay, this is intentional discipleship. It's focused. 
Uh, I, I love what you said. It's an op- it's focused uh, input, but it's also an opportunity to live that out, and that's exactly right. And the story you just articulated, I see that every every year. You know, I, like I said, I joined as an eighteen year old twenty years ago because a youth leader had invested into me. That's what changed my life more than anything. Uh, a youth leader impacted me, and I thought I want to do this for other young people. Joined a gap year. It happened to be free. That was that was helpful. Pay you know pays off as a free gap year. Um, I wanted to be in Manchester and they sent me to this, you know, small church in Burnley and I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and, uh, and 20 years later, I'm still here in Burnley. But then every year, you know, we, uh, I don't know how many people we've had on pay the last 20 years that I've been involved, but it's about, it's about 50 to 100 young adults every year in the UK and then now 16 other nations that we work in globally. So it's, it's thousands of young adults where, again, time and time again, we see those stories. Um, Maybe the quiet young person in the youth group who just has this passion for God, or maybe it's the loud young person in the youth group, um, but that year shapes them, it shapes their character and produces something in them that lasts a lifetime. You know, some people do a year on pace, uh, but then because I've been on it for so long, I, I meet them 10, 15 years later and they'll say to me, you know, that year changed my life. That year was the foundation. I, I learned something about myself or I learned something about God or I learned something about serving, has lived with me forever. Uh, and, I, and I love that, you know, people who, well, a good friend of mine who works for the NHS now, you know, that those two years on pays shaped her Christian character, a vicar friend of mine who now runs a school. Uh, you know, that, again, those, that one year on pays for him shaped everything, shaped how we saw youth ministry, how we saw schools ministry. So now as a vicar, youth and schools ministry is at the heart of his ministry, which is which he should be, you know. That he's well positioned to influence a community, and he gets that because he spent that year because uh, he spent that year on pays uh, of a gap year. And then who they become, that's always what's exciting, how that one year, those two years, mm. changes the trajectory of, of their lives. And as, as a young person, I remember being at things like Soul Survivor and having this real sense of a call to mission. And increasingly, I love to see that in the UK, that as a church, we're, we're calling young people to discipleship, we're calling young people to live on mission. And if that means lots of young people join other gap years as well, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see... Uh, an, incre- an increased culture of you know, living on mission. So, I mean, that's amazing, and um, and I, I think we're both we're both on the same same page on lots of things. I like the fact that you're still doing youth ministry as you near forty. Are you nearing forty now? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pl- I'm pleased about that. Not pleased that you're you're getting older, but pleased that you're still in 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 the game of youth ministry because I think it's really important. <laughs> You know, there was something you yeah. almost articulated there around. Uh, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm getting too old for this, and and <laughs> definitely don't say ever say that because it, it no 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 really important that that some of yeah. us kind of stay in for the long haul. Um, but um, but I just wonder. So listening to this, a question maybe we haven't answered yet uh, is: What if you are uh, either a young person or advising a young person right now, um, and they're trying to figure out what? to think about September, what would you be saying if a youth worker rang you up and said, is it, it realistically, is a young person going to have a, a proper gap year experience if we sign them up for September? What would you say? It is, you know, it's a great question. And yes, yeah, so actually one of our meetings um, this week is we're looking at, I think we've got about 30 or 40 people signed up for the gap year in, in the UK next academic year. Some of them are international. So some of them, it might not be possible for them to come to the UK. But for a UK young person, we've got a bunch of churches in the UK that are still on board. And they're saying, yeah, we, we understand what's happening. We understand that we don't know what's happening uh, across the UK, but we have opportunities in our community to serve 
we have opportunities in our in our community to disciple young people and we'd love a pays apprentice to come and be involved in making that happen that some of those are existing opportunities in the uk some of those are even pioneering opportunities uh, great churches in northern ireland scotland england that we're talking to um and again, that we, we, don't, we don't know all the answers right now about what will this look like, particularly in schools or even in gathered environments in church. Uh, but there's still a, a desire. What's really encouraging me is we've got a desire for churches to work together. We've got schools that are saying we need help. Um, the help might not be what it looked like for the last 30 years, uh, but we still need help. Um, and we've got great young adults that want to be a part of it. Um, like I said, some of the young adults from, from some countries might not might not be able to come to the UK. But what that, of course, gives us is a greater opportunity for UK young adults to step up uh, and to get involved. So, yeah, for youth leader rang me today and say, is pace happening? Uh, and I know my friends who were another Christian gap years in the UK, our answer would be yes. No, we're, we're going for it. We're going to find... We're going to have to find new ways in which we can reach young people, serve young people, reach schools and serve schools and serve local churches but we are 100% still going for it. Hmm. And uh, and that's uh, obviously there's going to be some adapting going on. Yes. Obviously, you're going to, as you go, there's going to be some opportunities. Can I just drop the I word? There'll be some opportunities for innovation. And, yes. Uh, and, you know, it's, as you said, right at the top of this, like could there could be some really new, exciting things that come out of this period. Um, yeah. Particularly around schools. So it's worth just thinking about that. Um, yeah. You know, schools are, um, well, I mean, let's, let's face it, you know, we both know lots of teachers. But the thing I keep hearing is that they often hear the government, the government's latest announcement, they hear at the same time as we do. So, yes. so it's not like they've had, you know, a heads up a week in advance. You know, they, they, uh, the, when they were asked to open in for, you know, reception year one, year six, year 10, year 12, um, they found out about that at the same time as the rest of us. Um, yeah. So they are like scrambling. They are working, uh, you know, really hard. Teachers are um, what, one of the unsung hero groups, I think, in all of this and, and yes. school, school leaders. Um, they are scrambling. So, you know, I wonder whether even there are opportunities for us to help and support right now by praying for our, our local school, adopting our local school in prayer, but also exactly. what practical things we might be able to do. So, so big opportunities exactly. for innovation. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Serve, serving, blessing, reaching out to teachers. That's massive. Uh, yeah, we did in May, May of this year, we did plan to do a, a two week uh, prayer walk across the UK for schools. So Paul Gibbs, who started pays and leads pays globally was going to come to the UK, do a two week prayer walk and then invite, thousands of other people all over the world to pray for their schools. We've pushed that to September. We, of course, we don't know what the world's going to look like in September and if that'll be physically possible. But we, again, we, we, we want to bang that drum to say, pray for the schools in your community. We don't have to wait till September. We're going to do a big thing, uh, hopefully in September around that. But yeah, no, you're dead right. Praying for your schools. How can we reach out in loving kindness to schools, um, to, to our teachers? And yeah, that, there are elements of school life that right now there's there's an element of um, um, just keeping on going, surviving. But as, as schools come back online um, fully, you know, collective worship, RE, pastoral care, spiritual input, all, all these things, all these things that we did previously, there'll be space for those things. And again, there might be online, it might be more creating resources that we that we give. 
uh, you know, this teacher I was talking to this week was talking about uh, form times on Zoom uh, with some outside input. So if there's a raft of Christian youth workers, schools workers, who suddenly have got time and energy and are, and are loaded with resource, but that's for me been so encouraging the past few years. I meet so many great Christian youth workers and schools workers who so inspire me because they're just loaded with resource, loaded with ideas, um, but they're often trapped within their own organisations. If we can get that stuff out uh, and serve the schools in our community, yeah, that that will make a massive difference. So yeah, you, you're exactly right. We all need to be thinking about that, praying into that, uh, and yeah, be positioned, ready um, to serve to, to serve the schools in our country. Um, one last thing. Um, yes. Would love to talk about the Pays Youth Academy that you're developing. So this is something Brilliant. where you're actually looking to work with youth leaders. So the people listening right now to this interview. So um, why yes. don't you tell why don't you tell us about it? Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so for forever, the Pays tagline has been missionaries making missionaries. And I remember, I think the first time I met you years ago, you said to me, "Great strapline. Where's the resource? Like, how do you do this?" And all those years ago, our answer was, well, we just do it. Like our pacings, just do it. Um, but the past couple of years, a big question for us has been, how can a young person be a part of the PAYS movement? They're, they're not on the gap year, uh, they're, they're 14. But we want young people to be trained to live missionally. So for the past few years, we've been doing the PAYS Youth Academy <clears throat> within the PAYS Apprenticeship, where PAYS teams uh, have been intentionally discipling, mentoring, young people, engaging them in mission on Bible studies, engaging them in mission in their school or in their community. And then those young people could say, I'm a part of PAYS, I'm a part of PAYS by being part of the PAYS Youth Academy. Now we'd love to give that away. We'd love to um, train youth leaders um, across the UK, across the world, how they can intentionally disciple their 11 to 18 year olds in how to live missionally, mission on Bible studies, intentional discipleship, being um, leaders in their school, be missionaries in their own school. There was a great young person joining Pays this year. She's had a mentor, uh, a Pays apprentice as a mentor since she was 11. Uh, alongside those different Pays apprentices, uh, she's then got involved in leading in her youth ministry, leading in her school. She's now part of the Eva uh, Amplify uh, Young Evangelist Network. Uh, you know, she's stepping out in faith. She's been really sharpened. So she's part of our Pays Youth Academy. She's like, I guess, a model for our Pays Youth Academy of this young person, normal young person from Lancashire, who's now become a leader and evangelist in her in her world because of that intentional discipleship from a page apprentice. So if you have youth leaders listen to this, which obviously we hope many are, <laughs> and, and if they if they would we'd love to partner with them, we'd love to serve more local churches across the UK, not necessarily by giving them a page team but by giving them the resources that we give to our PACE teams. If we can help a youth leader to yeah, make missionaries in their youth group, uh, then we'd love to talk to them about the PACE Youth Academy affiliate programme where we can give them our resources, we can give them our training, they, they can partner with us in that way and they can make missionaries in their own locality. They can intentionally disciple young people, raise young people up uh, yeah, to be missionaries in their world. So, yeah, thanks, Martin. That's, uh, we're really excited about the Pays Youth Academy. What's, what's the web address for that? Pays, P-A-I-S-Y-A.com. So PaysYA.com. PaysMovement.com is the main website, and there's a link from there to uh, Pays Youth Academy. For the, th for the prayer walk that we're looking to do, the website for that is ThruHikeForSchools.com. And through, spelled the American way, I'm sorry, but T-H-R-U, HikeForSchools.com. But yeah, pacemovement.com has everything. 
PageYA.com is for the Page Youth Academy. That's great. Mate, really great to speak to you. Thank you. Obviously, you are plowing ahead in all sorts of exciting ways. And I think people listening to this... Uh, you know, uh, will be really encouraged by um, the stories you have and the and the experience you have of young people going deep in their discipleship and then becoming missionaries to their their generation. Which, of course, we all know is the most effective kind of missionary to uh, to this generation. It's that the kind of the peers, isn't it? Uh, young people reaching young people. So I think yes. people will be really encouraged to to check out more of this. It's uh, paysya.com is the is the place to go in the first instance. But um, hey. Thank you so much, Pete, for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much, Martin. Love, love, love that. I love Pete. I love Bryony. I love what's happening at Pays. I said earlier, Martin, about what might come out of this season being that radiant, extreme faithfulness and courage of people who serve young people. And I think Pete and Bryony demonstrate that. And you heard that again in the interview. So love you guys. Wonderful. Great. Um, I want to trail something as we as we finish. I don't want to talk too much more. But is it the other Netflix series you and Mrs. Saunders have to switch off? No, no, we haven't watched any more rude Netflix series. We just watch Friends. That's the thing. We just yeah. But what do you watch after that? Because Jason and I've done that, or I've been with friends and we've switched something off. Do you have a go to that you watch that feels like nice and innocent and yes, yeah, we watch Friends. Soul? We watch Friends. We just we just the Friends is our like default. It's like a palate cleanser. You know, but don't, but don't you think like in the early nineties there were Christians watching Friends who just it did dark things in them, so they had to go to like Cheers or something. That was their palate cleanser. <laughs> like, good, it's, yeah, it's all, like people in the future we go into the White Lines as their palate cleanser. Oh, oh that's a joke. Wow. I thought, no, they won't. No, they won't. Wow, anyway. there's a oh. you've opened a can of worms there. Right. Anyway, anyway, yeah, go for it. I, I do want to trail ahead to uh, next week uh, because we are going to be launching a brand new resource uh, from Youthscape. What? Which, yes, which we've been developing over the last uh, five or six weeks. Um, and I'm really, really yes. excited about it. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I can say very much because I don't want to spoil the surprise, but there will be a new resource which we are going to sell. Just, just you know, because because we've had a whole team working on it. Actually, we're going to sell it. It's not going to be very expensive, but we are going to. You're going to be able to order it next week. Uh, and it's uh, it's an attempt to create a new model for youth ministry, um, which uh, while we're not suggesting we have found some sort of holy grail, something new and different that might work both in the context of quarantine, social distance, lockdown, youth work, all that sort of stuff, and mm. if we ever get back to some sort of new normal. Uh, in that in that context too so um so yeah it's called showcase and it arrives Ooh. next week uh but i shall leave the, the rest of it till then and i i like getting new merch new stuff don't you i like that i think getting something in my hands get my dirty mitts on something i think we probably this is the time of the the year and the time in lockdown where we probably need a bit of new stuff in our lives don't we so do you think very, do you think we exciting. should produce merch well, I, I use the word merch, but we've never produced merch, have no. we, Youthscape? I think, I, I wonder whether there is a market for Youthscape podcast merch. And I would imagine that, <gasps> that, that market, mm. that market is probably just you and me, isn't it? But um, I'd, I'd buy a Youthscape podcast hat. Would you? What about a mug that has like one of our faces on the outside and one of our faces on the inside? And as you're drinking down the coffee, you've got one of us going, ah! Oh. 
hello. I mean, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> we can that's, go for this. That's one it's of the terrifying. worst ideas you've ever had. That's no, it is. That's it amazing. Is awful. But yeah. I think I think merch shouldn't be subtle and cool. Okay. I think merch should be brazen. I think yes. it should be absolutely kitsch, or like yeah. off the scale. Yeah. We're talking big, like oil paintings of us. That's what I'm talking <laughs> in terms of merch. <laughs> I, I think there's an audience just waiting to buy that. Great. Well, look. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Just, just uh, that must be enough for one week. Surely. That must be enough. Surely. I can hear Jenna. She's just, just, just clicking the clock. She's like, She's, come on guys. Stop she, now. Left, she left this 15 left minutes ago. ago. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we, now we don't do shout outs and we are coming to land, but we did say that actually today we are going to send a special lot of love to do two very dear people because as most of us know, like those closest and dearest in your life, never read your work, do they? Never listen to your podcasts, never like eat your cakes that you make. Um, and at Youthscape, we always joke about the fact that probably many of our wonderful staff don't listen to this because they're too busy getting on with stuff and they're too used to our voices. But... Jenny Flanagan and David Walford. We know that you listen to us. So you here by now are officially the most beloved of all Youthscape staff. Aww. We love you. We think you're amazing. If we had the power to give you a pay rise in a company car, we would, but we haven't, so we can't, but we love you very, very much. I feel like uh, producer Amy should get a little shout out because although it's, <laughs> although she is paid to do it she does also listen to everything we do and she's awesome she's phenomenal so and all the way through this crisis she has been i have to say because i've had some days i'm like i don't think i can do the podcast today i'm all over the place and she has been a little bit of a pastor to us as well as a top producer so thank you amy for being awesome yeah right that really is it for another yeah. edition of the youthscape podcast we will see you again next week <laughs>